Hi, this is Jeff from National League Town. Greg's not here today, but we want to talk about the big news, the signing of Justin Verlander. Yesterday, we recorded an episode which discussed the departure of Jacob deGrom. Some of what's in that show is already outdated as we discuss the benefits of Verlander versus Carlos Rondon. We lean toward Rondon because of his age and because he was a lefty, but the Mets didn't want to pay a long-term contract, as Rondon wants, and the Mets didn't want to be subject to the penalties associated with a qualifying offer. We said that we would be happy with either of them, and of course, we are thrilled, elated, with the signing of Justin Verlander, who is now a Met for two, maybe three years, $86.66 million for two years, a vesting option for a third year. And if you've already listened to the rest of the show, you will get this reference when I say that maybe the Buffin basket worked. Even though Greg's not here, he's already posted at faithandfearandflushing.com, and in part, he wrote, We've got Verlander and Scherzer, and I suppose some other spots to fill, but let's give ourselves a respite from playing GM. Let the GM do his job. The owner has done his. Justin Verlander is joining the New York Mets. Enjoy that for today. Enjoy that in 2023. Whatever happens in Texas can stay in Texas, except for Verlander. He left Houston and is coming to Flushing. We, too, move on. It's what we do. The rest of the show still stands. Again, some of it's outdated, but we hope that you'll like our perspective on Jacob DeGrom's departure. We'll be back Thursday with more from the winter meetings, unless the Mets sign another future Hall of Famer, and then we'll break in with more. So until then, I'm Jeff Heisen, and as always, let's go Mets. And now on with the rest of the show. Hello and welcome to National League Town, Mets fandom, Mets history, Mets life, with Long Island's own Greg Prince and Jeff Eisen. Hey, Greg. Hey, Jeff. On today's special edition, we talk all about Jacob deGrom. On Friday night, we learned that Jacob deGrom will not be a Met in 2023 and instead will be a Texas Ranger in 2023 and beyond. deGrom played nine seasons for the Mets, went 82 and 57, had an ERA of 252, 1,607 strikeouts, won two Cy Young Awards, won the Rookie of the Year Award as a Met, and gave us countless thrills. The cliche goes, you can think two things at the same time. Two things can be true. You can be sad that he's gone and be pragmatic and understand why he's gone. I'm at this point sad and I understand. I'm sad for one reason is that we're not going to be able to see his greatness in 2023. If he's healthy, that strikeout ability, the fastball, the wipeout slider, the thrill when he took the mound. When he took the mound, there was nobody like him. And I'm upset because he's not going to finish his career as a Met. As Greg went into on this show, we haven't had a pitcher of his stature or even close to his stature who started and finished his career as a Met. Not Tom, not Dwight Gooden, not Matlack, not Kuzman, certainly not R.A. Dickey, nobody and it won't be Jacob deGrom. And I'm sad about that. I wanted to see him finish his career in a Met uniform. I understand, but I'm sad about it. We're going to miss Jacob deGrom. 
We're going to miss Jacob deGrom. I think uh, you could be sad about it. You could be pragmatic about it. And it has been uh, my experience in the last 36 or so hours that you can be kind of angry about it as well, because it does feel as if we have been jilted from a guy who was showered with nothing but affection for nine seasons, whose entry to the mound was greeted as the second coming every five days for somebody who we all proudly wore number 48s on our back or in our mind, certainly. And we were making room up there in the rafters. Uh, once you got past uh, the recent additions of 17 and 24, and we started to envision five for David Wright, and we thought about a few others in the past, said, and of course, number 48 will be up there for Jacob deGrom someday. And as sentimentally and historically minded a fan as I am, if they want to give out number 48 to the next sixth inning reliever who comes along in St. Lucie, I'm like, well, you need to do something with that number. But, you know, that is the uh, the song of the jilted, I suppose. And I think I understand. I think a lot of us understand that as much as we want to ascribe romance to our baseball passion. And I think it's good that we do that. I think every now and then you have to step back and say, oh, that's right. It's a business. And Jacob deGrom's business was getting a five-year deal for $185 million dollars. I don't want to call it an insane amount because the Rangers wouldn't be laying it out if they didn't think they could afford it. Jake couldn't get that money. He might as well go get paid, as they say. And the Mets had to make a decision somewhere in there how much they wanted to pursue him. And somewhere in there is the idea that it wasn't the end-all and be-all for Jacob deGrom to remain a New York Met. Uh, they call it free agency for a reason. You are free to go. You have agency. And if Jacob deGrom really wanted to be a Met, and I think that's what we, I come back to with the idea of being jilted, Jacob deGrom would have made it happen. You know, When he signed the deal that he had had in 2019, it, it was a very good deal, but it probably wasn't the best deal he could have gotten had he gone out into the market that following offseason. So they incorporated an opt-out, not an uncommon thing, and the opt-out loomed. And at the beginning of 2022, even as he knew he was going to be missing a lot of time, he said, yeah, I plan to opt out. And as somebody wrote, you don't opt out to make less money. And I'm sure the Mets could have arranged something, could have torn up the current contract before he hit free agency and said, OK, what can we do? But maybe this was just a guy who said, you know what, I gave it nine years for this franchise, for this city, for these people. Maybe I just want a new experience, and if I can get paid even more so than I would have in New York for a longer period, and I think, you know, you got to incorporate that five years versus three for a guy who has missed much of the last two years and who, like all of us, isn't getting any younger, then you just kind of have to put all that out there and say, oh, well. So we are left with the concept of the lifetime met and how we've never had one as a starting pitcher of super high caliber or high caliber. And that's uh, no offense to Jeremy Hefner, and Eric Hillman, because we, we went through that a few weeks ago, that those are the, uh, the, the longest running guys who gave us their entire careers as starting pitchers in terms of most starts. And those guys 
you know, had less than 40 starts. So, you know, right now the, the all-time leader is David Peterson and we'll see where his career goes. <laughs> but, um, you know, you're right. We won't, we won't see Jacob deGrom and that's the sadness. And even if you want to take the, you can't hurt me, you can't dump me, I dump you, uh, posture, which I think is, is palpable in, in the Mets fan mindset right now, there's less day Jacob deGrom in our lives. And he was such a staple of our lives. And even in the months where he was on the injured list, he was a staple in our lives because we just looked forward to him coming back and, and we knew we could rely on him. And honestly, other than, you know, a few sixth innings is what it felt like. And maybe one game in Oakland, maybe a couple of home run balls in Atlanta. Uh he was, he was still Jacob deGrom. Uh, he was still the best pitcher in baseball. One of my thrills the last several years was whenever you'd get one of those wide-ranging conversations from a non-Mets channel, let's say, whether it was MLB Network or you're listening to I don't know who, the way they talked about Jacob deGrom when they wanted to talk about starting pitching that it always began with Jacob deGrom when they wanted to talk about the best starting pitchers. And I took, quite frankly, a lot of pride in that as a fan. Uh, it, it did take me back to Tom Seaver when every discussion about the greatest pitchers in the National League started with Tom Seaver. And we had that a little bit with Dwight Gooden for a couple of years. And we had it with Jacob deGrom for about five years. Remember, Jacob deGrom transcended one of the most venerated statistics you read his wins and losses at the beginning here and, and joked about uh, the Mets never scoring for him. And we got to a point where we shrugged that off. We understood the fact that the Mets would score maybe one run in seven innings and Jacob would give up maybe one run in seven innings and he'd get a no decision or he'd get saddled with a loss because the bullpen came in and didn't get it done. We shrugged that off because we said, Jacob deGrom is doing things with the kinds of pitches that you described that we haven't seen anybody else do. And he does it every start and he does it as long as he's healthy, which was most of the time from 18 to 20, 20 being an abbreviated season. And as long as he could in 21 and then, you know, kind of the fallow period, which wasn't his pitching. It was just his unavailability. So, you know, we are, about to be in a position where we're going to look at Jacob deGrom in highlights or if we happen to watch a Texas Rangers game for some reason and we say oh my god that looks so strange uh he will be the Texas stranger to us and it's going to be a long road back I think in terms of accepting Jacob deGrom as one of the great Mets of all time because he is one of the great Mets of all time but nobody's in the mood to hear that right now I can tell you uh, I was at the Queens baseball convention on Saturday, less than 24 hours after the news broke. Every time Jacob deGrom's name came up, you would have thought Derek Jeter walked into the room wow. because it, it was all. And what are you going to sit there and say, no, no, guys, let, well, let's talk about the 2018 season and the 1.70 ERA and the two Cy Youngs and, you know, the fact that he won the only playoff game that the Mets have won since 2015, all of those things. Nobody's in the mood to hear that, I don't think. And I understand that. I, hey, I'm not really in the mood to, uh, to, to run Jacob DeGrom's credentials up the flagpole and salute them. 
uh, he left, which is what makes this more difficult than, well, a different brand of difficult than if somebody had gone out of their mind in the front office and decided we don't need Jacob DeGrom anymore. $185 million over five years with a conditional six-year option, which could end up making it $222 million for six years. The Mets weren't going to go there. So maybe the Mets never had a chance. Maybe Texas was going to go further than the Mets, and the Mets were never going to get to five years. We've read that they were sticking to three. But what we know, Greg, is that the Mets never had a chance to give a best and final offer. The Mets were surprised at the news. The Mets heard that the conversations with Texas had gone further than they had with the Mets, and and DeGrom's agents never went back. So if he never gave Steve Cohn, who has more money than any other owner. He never gave Steve Cohn, who likes to buy shiny and pretty things. He never gave Steve Cohn, who has dead shark money. Steve Cohn owns a dead shark art installation. Look it up. He's got dead shark money. They never gave Steve Cohn a chance to outbid Texas. Maybe he wasn't going to, but they never gave him that chance. That tells me that he wanted to go elsewhere. Yeah, I don't think Steve Cohn got to the point where he has dead shark money by buying the wrong dead sharks. And I'm not <laughs> comparing Jacob DeGrom's right arm to a dead shark by any means. But, you know, th- this is a uh, guy who became Steve Cohn by being very analytically inclined. One of those things that we often applaud in, uh, in baseball management. So I don't think they really wanted to give five years at an extraordinary amount. Again, if, if Jacob deGrom is 28 years old and coming off 2018, uh, that sort of thing, that sort of season, that's a different story. And maybe you say, hey, can we keep you for 10 years? But we you know, we know Jake's story in terms of the physicality, in terms of the age, and there's a, a market, there's other pitchers out there. Uh, I think we, I, yeah, I think we come back to the fact that Jacob Degrom had his eye on being somewhere else. You know, if, if you met somebody, it, it's difficult to say to to put baseball things in real life contexts, but just for the hell of it, if you met somebody, you said, you know what, I worked in New York for nine years. I had a good experience. I like the people I worked with. I like the customers. I just decided it was time to get out. I was able to get a good job somewhere else, maybe a a slower lifestyle, uh, maybe nicer weather. And you'd probably say, oh, well, hey, I hope you come back sometime. Good to to meet you, whatever. Uh, Maybe that was all it was. Maybe it was, you know what? I've done this. Off to new challenges. I, I remember when Tom Seaver was let go the second time, uh, the clerical error, practically, of uh, him going to the White Sox in 1984, exposed in the uh, expansion, not expansion, compensation draft uh, pool, which is a, a ridiculous thing I don't feel, feel like explaining right now. He talked about that it was actually something that kind of refreshed him because he'd never been in the American League. He'd never seen those ballparks. Uh, he had a chance to meet new people, in his case, to work with Carlton Fisk and to uh, make his way toward 300 wins. I I don't know that any of that 
was going through Jacob deGrom's mind, but maybe some version of it. Like, okay, I've done that. I've taken this franchise in my mind as far as I can, or they've done as much for me. Uh, I just want to go somewhere else. Or maybe it was as simple as I wanted two more years. I, I think if we, we, what was it? Allegedly or reportedly 40 years, 40 million per year over three years was the reported offer the Mets had going. So that's $120 million. What did we say? Five years, 185 million from Texas. That's $65 million more. And we can very easily say, hey, how much money do you need, Jake? Well, that's $65 million more. Uh, I might take $65 million more if somebody wanted to hire me to be a Texas Rangers fan for the next five (laughs) years. I don't think it works that way. But... It's $65 million. It's a lot of money. And maybe it just came down to money. And, you know, what I suppose hurts, and we get back to the sadness here, and so somebody has a great montage on Twitter of the times over the last few years where Jacob deGrom has sat at a podium or stood in front of his locker and talked about how much he loved pitching for Mets fans, how much he loved Mets fans, how important it was that he had this relationship and maybe all of that was true again to get to your idea of more than one thing can be true at the same time maybe all that was great maybe he said you know what maybe texas rangers fans are terrific and i'm going to love them too you never know but you know bon bon voyage i guess or uh, to borrow uh, your phrase from when we talk about dom smith jake voyage uh it's gonna be tough to look at him and say, I don't, I, you know, you, you don't want to have, you, you want to reserve what I, what I like to refer to as Schadenfreude for the Yankees being eliminated from the playoffs and the Braves being eliminated for the playoffs. And, you know, Chase Utley hopefully not making the Hall of Fame in a couple of years. Um, I don't want to look at Jacob deGrom and say, boy, I hope he gets shelled. But I think there's going to be part of that. <laughs> I think there's also going to be part of, hey, that's our guy out there. I know he's not wearing our uniform, but I I would like him to continue on a potential, it's hard to say, a potential Hall of Fame track and that sort of thing. And someday I I hope he comes back and comes to the, you know, one of the old timers days or whatever. But right now, I think we're entitled to feel a little spurned or scorned or whatever the word would be. And I guess because it's December, we, we can traffic in these, emotional bargains maybe uh once next season starts uh less and less we shall think about jacob de grom because somebody else is going to have to be on the mound for the 32 starts that in theory would be his and i, I know it's, it's uh, become fashionable in the last 36 hours to say you know, we won 101 games last year and like jacob won or was part of five of them or six of them whatever it was eh, it doesn't really work that way uh, we got kind of, I, I won't say we got lucky, but we had good timing last year. We had everybody clicking in the pitching staff for the most part. And the, and the pitching staff is you know full of questions right now. I would have rather been relying on Jacob DeGrom to start opening day or perhaps the second day after Max Scherzer. Uh, I don't know who's starting. I don't know who's going to fill those roles. And whoever it is, it's going to be business. It's not going to be that feeling of, Ah, there's Jake. I remember when he came up. I remember when he was making his way through the system. I remember when he broke through. I was there that night that he struck out 
eight in a row to start the game, and he more or less clinched the rookie of the year that night. Oh, I remember the the feeling of pride that swelled in my heart watching him be introduced in Cincinnati for his first All-Star game. I remember how great it was that he pitched a complete game one hitter in 2016 at Citizens Bank. I remember when he held the pitching staff together with his right hand in 2017 when nobody was around. And then I remember when he took it to a whole other level pitching and let us not forget hitting one of the best hitting pitchers the Mets ever had. Not, not that that gets you anything anymore, but that is now the past. We have the present and the future. We saw that video that you mentioned on Twitter of him praising Mets fans. And in none of those clips did he say, I love being a Met. I love New York. And you saw, you heard some comments online from some of the Mets favored beat reporters or favored columnists, where which gave him some digs. There was one that said he wasn't a leader in the clubhouse. We knew that. He's not Scherzer. There was one column by John Heyman. Don't read it. It's very gossipy. And it clearly uh, had an agenda against him uh, about how he wanted to be out of New York and back in the South. And there was another comment that just said he just didn't like New York. So for all the times that we stood and applauded, and I think of the his first start back this season after what 13 months I was there in Washington and I was on the third base side. And for all you knew, the third base side was city field. And then his next start at city field where SNY had a camera right behind him as simple man by Leonard Skinner played. It was a great moment. And yes, he won the Mets only playoff victory this season. He succeeded where Scherzer and Bassett failed against San Diego. However, six years for a pitcher that didn't play for a year, six years, he'll be 40. If it's, if it goes six, it's five with a option. He'll be 40. Yes. He only made 11 starts for a 101 win team. And when six and five in those starts, you're right. That's it's not apples to to apples there, but he was not a big factor this season. And I have to note, and again, maybe this is bargaining, that his last start during the regular season was during that terrible three game series in Atlanta. He didn't step up pitching six innings, three earned runs over five innings. Before that, Greg, you remember that you remember this game. It was the Saturday game in Oakland. We referred to it over and over. It was your column, the worst. He started the worst game, giving up five runs in four innings in that terrible Saturday loss to Oakland. He was one of the three pitchers in that three-game sweep by the Cubs, which should have told us something, which foretold something. And he didn't get it done there. So it's not like he's leaving at the apex of his Mets career, but we're still going to miss him. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a case to be made that for a guy who had been off for 13 months, there was probably still some ramping up to be done. And maybe he was just, you know, hitting a uh, pothole or whatever the uh, the metaphor would be. 
And we just expected Jacob DeGrom to be Jacob DeGrom for the full, what is now the full seven innings. I, we don't have the full nine innings anymore with starting pitchers. And maybe had August been June by September, which, which uh, don't, don't try to follow this on the calendar, folks. But what I'm saying is if he'd had come back a little sooner, maybe he would have been more full of stamina and endurance or whatever. So the fact that he would come out and be Jake, vintage Jake, for the first five innings of most games, with a couple of exceptions, and then maybe teeter off a little bit, uh, maybe explains just he's a guy who had to get it back together. Um, You know, the stuff you were saying about various columns that were written and oh now it can be told that Jacob deGrom really wasn't all that as a New York Met and as a Met leader and as a person it's funny how when he was doing great uh he was a quiet leader and (laughs) he was a guy people looked up to and you wonder where was this reporting uh, that was that is so necessary, and I realize we, we all look for answers. So hey, let me tell you something you didn't know about Jacob Degrom. He really wasn't whatever. Um, you know, he did the same thing to Ari Dickey when he left. I remember there's one very good writer. I won't mention his name, but uh, who had to felt compelled that once Dickey was was gone for Toronto in a trade, uh, once they couldn't work out a contract extension, you know what? Ari Dickey was not a popular man in that clubhouse. And that sort of thing. It's like, well, I understand why why you're reporting this now, but where where was this reporting three months ago when he was putting a Cy Young season together? Uh, where was were these observations about Jacob Degrom when we were all walking around impressed that say that Jacob Degrom was presenting a bottle of uh, champagne to David Wright when he was retiring on behalf of the whole pitching staff, and there was a nice story about that. I remember. Uh, little little things that you read about Jacob Degrom through the years. Where was the reporting that said, "Don't be fooled, folks. Jacob Degrom is really a cold fish, and you don't really want to get to get in his way or whatever." Um, that's kind of a side issue here. It it just strikes me that I, I guess you can't just say everything that you see in the course of a season because then you lose all your contacts, perhaps, on a given team. And you can't do your job as a reporter if, if you feel you're just letting your readership know everything you know. And I, I understand that to a certain degree. It, it just seems like bad sportsmanship to come out now and say, well, you know what? He wasn't really the guy. Uh, we treated him like the guy and nobody disabused us of that notion, treating him like the guy, especially since 2018. So I'm not, I'm not again, I'm, I'm not here to create a uh, let us have a, a fundraiser, an emotional fundraiser. He doesn't need the other kind. Let us have an emotional fundraiser for Jacob deGrom, this poor man who, who is you know, being unfairly put upon by a, uh, a dead shark media or whatever you want to call it. <laughs> a lot but, of this, uh, excuse me, is, uh, the, is bargaining. We're upset. We feel spurned. We're going to miss him. But we can understand it from a pragmatic business standpoint, which is not our job as fans. We did not expect Steve Cohen to lose out on any shiny object. We'll be shocked if Nimmo goes. 
We expected this to end when the Wilpons were shown the door. Well, I think we'll be a little less shocked if Nimmo goes, and that that's no comment on whatever Nimmo is negotiating with whoever. Just I think once you've lost Jacob deGrom, uh, anything else and anybody else, even if you can make the case that, well, Nimmo has a specific role on this team and it would be harder to replace, and therefore maybe he's a priority, whereas DeGrom wasn't the utmost priority, um, is aside. Because Brandon Nimmo, wonderful player, uh, important player, homegrown player, not Jacob DeGrom. Nobody uh, in the last uh, no. however many decades has been Jacob DeGrom. Uh, and, and I, you know, I, my, my last thought on, on the, the, the media, I won't call it an assault, that's, that's overdramatic. But my last thought on, on how these things come out after the fact is, I guess we, we are looking for answers and we want to know, well, what went wrong other than Steve Cohn decided as shiny an object as Jacob deGrom's career was, that it may not have been the most valuable. If, Jake, if Steve Cohn sees value in the Dead Shark installation, there is value in it. If he does not see value in Jacob deGrom, then to him, and to his baseball people, and I, I'm sure it wasn't just a matter of get me this guy, don't get me that guy, because uh, I don't think Steve Cohen operates that way, um, just decided, hey, Jacob deGrom is not worth it. Jacob, if, if Steve Cohn and Billy Epler and everybody else decided Jacob deGrom is worth five years and $186 million, go get him, uh, he'd be here. But they they made that judgment, and again... We don't know that Jacob DeGrom would have said, yes, it's it's only about the money. Maybe it was about, I want to get out of New York. Maybe, boy, I boy, Texas sure looks good. I want to pitch in a, a retractable roof stadium. <laughs> Who knows uh, what made him excited? Maybe he said, you know what? I've, I've been with a team that won 101 games. I want to pitch for a team that won 68 games. <laughs> maybe maybe I, can, I can lift them up. Uh, maybe I've, I've always wanted to, to play with, with those particular players. Who the hell knows? I mean, he will at some point uh, speak uh, about his decision, and I'm not going to put words in his mouth. I, I imagine he will say nice things uh, to whatever extent he is capable of his experience in New York, and we will take that with a grain of salt probably, and he will be free. <laughs> well, not free. He will cost you. But he will be free to pursue his career, uh, live his own life, and we will be not just free, but compelled to move on. Maybe he said, the power grid can't fail twice, can it? No. And, and again, if you're, if you're in Texas and the power grid fails, it is convenient to Acapulco, I hear. So <laughs> if Jacob deGrom needs to take his family get away from uh, the cold uh, in Texas uh, on a given uh, January night. If he, if he's not in Florida at that point, um, you know, he, he knows where to find the flights. And one thing that we have to remind ourselves is that Steve Cohn's not just operating in a vacuum as he is when he buys art. He's got the other owners staring at him. Some perhaps breathing down his neck. Look what happened with the, qualifying offer the Mets will receive a bonus pick after the fourth round for losing Jacob deGrom last year they would have received a bonus pick between the first and second round and this is a penalty that was bestowed upon the high spending owners 
So he can't just spend all the money. He can spend a lot of the money. And where's he going to spend his money next? I'm hesitant to go too deep into this because this could be outdated five minutes after we stop recording. Reports are that they want one of Verlander or Rodon. Verlander, of course, won the comeback pitcher of the year. He's a future Hall of Famer, just won a World Series with Houston. He's going to be 40 next season. Carlos Rodon, bet on himself. We always hear about that with Aaron Judge. Rodon did that, too, after he was discarded by the White Sox. Not that the White Sox are a highly functioning organization. He went to San Francisco, had an opt-out, pitched great was healthy after having Tommy John. Those are the two top free agent pitchers. Radon's a lefty. He's going to be 30 or is 30. Verlander is a righty. He's going to be 40. The idea of seeing Verlander chatting it up with Scherzer in the dugout thrills me. I like the idea of a lefty. I'm not going to be upset if they get either of them. How about you? Yeah, it's, uh, it's nice to have options. Uh, it would be nice to have a lefty. It would be nice to have a younger guy. <laughs> On the other hand, Justin Verlander is Justin Verlander, and we've seen him uh, postseason after postseason, Cy Young after Cy Young. Um, I'm a little wary of for all the uh, talk of shark installations in this show. A little wary of museum pieces. Uh, Nathan Max Scherzer pitched like a museum piece in 2022 until the very end and not like Justin Verlander is, you know, gathering dust in the Louvre. These are guys who are still in the extended prime of their careers. I just think about a long season after last year's long season and how great a veteran pitcher can look early. And we're sitting back and we're saying, Oh my God, he still has it. Uh, you don't get a guy like this every day. I now see what the big deal is. Uh, not, not that you're not aware of guys like those. You know, again, I, I think back to the days of uh, Pedro Martinez and a little later, Johan Santana, who wasn't quite as far along uh, age-wise. But th- there is that sense when you, you get the, the super veteran pitcher, uh, especially a super accomplished one, and you say, oh, my God, like that's – that's an incredible, not only an incredible talent, but incredible experience and whatever we, we imbue them with in terms of clubhouse leadership and all, all those intangibles. And then the season wears on and like, oh, you know what? He's going to have to miss a few starts. Uh, he may be running out of gas a little bit. Uh, we have to preserve him. And it's still the season is still going on. Those are the kinds of things that give me pause for all the things we're talking about with Jacob deGrom and his age, well, add years. Just like we said, add, you know, 185 versus $120 million, 40 years old versus 35 years old, that sort of thing. Uh, again, these are very special pitchers. When we're talking about Verlander, especially, Rodon has had great moments as well. Um, they need somebody. Uh that that's 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 my ace analysis right there they need somebody uh you know we're talking about a rotation where we know who two of the guys are we know about scherzer we know about carrasco taiwan walker may or may not be back i haven't really heard him talked about that much 
Chris Bassett may or may not be back. Uh, he's got a big market ahead of him. Uh, we know about all-time homegrown Mets starting pitcher, game-started leader David Peterson, who it might be time to say, hey, step up. Uh, same for Tyler McGill, because they're here. And there's some other names down in the minor leagues. And there's the usual cast of characters and suspects. Uh, but the the feeling is you know, the feeling, my feeling. Uh, and, and I think it's it's sort of a consensus is you don't replace Jacob deGrom with three other arms of middling caliber. Uh, you know, I, I'm thinking now of, of the movie version of Moneyball, where we don't have to replace... Uh, Jason Giambi. Jason Giambi. I was trying to remember which Giambi was which. You know, we don't have to replace Jason Giambi. We have to replace his runs, and we don't have to get one guy to do it. We get it doesn't work that with pitching, uh, and they have a lot of innings to replace. So I, I welcome the next live shark to uh, to emerge from this uh, this market and become a part of this staff. But it will just, you know what? It'll I keep coming back to the, uh, the emotion of it, the sentimentality of it. It will be different because we are now done with a very specific era or the remnants of a very specific era in Mets baseball where we went through that staff that was going to carry us and in a way carried us to some pretty high heights. Um, and again, when you're talking about heights, they should be pretty high. Uh, you know, the the DeGrom, Harvey, Syndergaard, Wheeler, Matz, uh, you know, a, a picture circulated in the aftermath of DeGrom's departure of those guys lined up uh, also with Bartolo Colon, although in some cases he was cropped out because he kind of, didn't fit with the narrative, but you know, we had those five young pitchers and the Mets were going to be identified by those five young pitchers and carried as far as those five arms would carry them. And they carried them pretty decently to a world series and then to a wild card the next year. Again, that that's a little simplistic because not everybody stayed healthy in that second year. And, you know, gave us lots of thrills and lots of great games. And we've certainly talked about Syndergaard and Wheeler. And we've certainly invoked Mats and Harvey. Well, that's all over now. Because DeGrom was the, the last link to all of that. And DeGrom was going to be the one who stuck around. And he did stick around, but not forever. So if you're telling me, hey, look at this great free agent the Mets signed to go with last year's great free agent and maybe somebody else who was signed or traded for, and maybe it works out great. And we, and we craft a new story for ourselves, and we're very happy with those guys, but it's just not the same. And, you know, we have prided ourselves, whether it's been true or not, uh, but certainly since 1967, we've prided ourselves on being a team that is all about homegrown, young, starting pitching, blossoming. And we've seen it manifest itself on several occasions. And we saw it in the Seaver, Kuzman, Gentry, Ryan, McAndrew, then Matt Lack, and Craig Swan at the very end, uh, those guys. Uh, we saw it in the 80s, if, if we can expand the, addition, the uh, definition 
of homegrown to include guys we traded for when they were in the minor leagues of Gooden and Darling and Terrell until he was traded. But then you had Aguilera and you had El Cid, uh, a.k.a. Fernandez. And then you brought in David Cohn, who had a little experience, but broke through as a young Met pitcher. And, you know, you love that about those teams. And, you know, you had success in other years where that wasn't really the defining characteristic of the pitching. And those were great teams. But then you got to a year like 2015 when those guys were who we had, the guys we just mentioned, four of them starting in the World Series and one who we were going to get off the disabled list pretty soon. And like I said, they, they all had their moments. It wasn't it wasn't Generation K, no offense to Generation K, because these guys really did come through and they all had major league careers and they all had net careers. And you don't want that to end, but now you realize it's over. It's been over for a while because it was just DeGrom. But if you could only have one of them, it was like, hey, we've got Jacob DeGrom. That ain't bad. And now it's going to be, let, let's go buy some pitchers and let's decide that these are the guys we love. <laughs> and uh, you know what? Let's just pretend for a moment that we get Justin Verlander. And Justin Verlander gets off to a Max Scherzer-like start, and everybody loves Justin Verlander. And Justin Verlander will stand in front of his locker and say things like, oh, I love these fans. It's great to pitch for them. And we'll, we'll fall for it all over again. And maybe we'll just move on in that regard, and we should be so lucky. But uh, yeah, so, something's missing now. And, you know, uh, thinking... Has there been anything like this in the past where we're just kind of left like this? I don't know. I mean, we, we, you and I know we, we all bear the scars that Tom Seaver was traded. He didn't walk away. That Dwight Gooden was suspended from baseball and then kind of cast off to find himself as he battled his, his demons. So he didn't really walk away. And Jerry Kuzman was traded and John Matlack was traded and Ron Darling was traded and El Cid was not at the top of his game when it, they just decided, you know, good luck. And even Bobby Jones, you know, didn't hold that sort of place in, in the Met mindset. You probably have to go to a, a starting uh, player, to go to somebody like Daryl Strawberry, where you kind of rubbed your eyes one day and he said, I'm, I'm leaving for Los Angeles. And it's, you know, we all knew he wanted to go to Los Angeles. He'd been talking about it for two years. And yet you wake up one morning and, oh, by the way, Daryl Strawberry's no longer a Met. Oh, by the way, Jose Reyes is no longer a Met. Guys who I thought would never leave or I couldn't picture them in another uniform. Jacob deGrom's in that category, maybe more so. So I appreciate the fact that we, we got... And by we, I mean the people who actually have this job. But, uh, you know, we have work to do. We have another pitcher or two to go get and to take those innings that Jacob DeGrom under ideal circumstances would have taken. But um, he was Jacob DeGrom. And now I'm back to sadness because he was Jacob DeGrom. He still is, but he's not for us anymore. With Tom also, people are comparing the two. But Tom, yes, he consented to be traded. But this is after Donald Grant, play villain music, uh, weaponized the media in the form of Dick Young, play villain music, to 
to use his platform against Tom and Nancy. And Tom said, get me out of here. So Tom wasn't didn't leave as a free agent. So it's not comparable, is it? Not really. I mean, I don't recall a single person and you know, I didn't talk to every single Mets fan. Uh, not, not that there were as many of them as there had been before June 15, 1977. But I, I don't ever remember any kind of sense of good riddance to Siva or anything like that. I mean, maybe somebody on a bar stool in Bensonhurst said that. But no, that was squarely on management. And Seaver was put in a squeeze uh, between wanting to stay, I think, if all had been equal. And that's a whole other discussion. And wanting what was best for him, for his place in the market, for his place on a competitive baseball team. Let's remember that there, there is a, a bit of a myth that the Mets traded Tom Seaver and everything fell apart. Everything had fallen apart in the months prior to Tom Seaver being traded. And Tom Seaver had done his best to influence management to say, let's make use of free agency. Let's sign Gary Matthews uh, or let's make this offense better. Tom Seaver had had enough of pitching for a team that never scored. And this was the wrong management to encourage to sign free agents because M. Donald Grant thought that uh, baseball was a plantation, basically, and they sh- the players should be grateful for the opportunity to uh, serve at the whims of M. Donald Grant. Uh, you know, this is nothing like that, except it comes back to the idea that in the Mets pitching pantheon, there's Tom Seaver, and then... You could debate number two and three, but there was Jacob deGrom. Maybe you want to say there was Dwight Gooden, and then there was Jacob deGrom. But it wasn't like this for Seaver. Uh, Seaver was kind of pushed out, and it wasn't like this for Gooden, and you know we, we've gone through the names. Uh, this, again, his own volition, his own choice. So I'm, you know, in 1977, we were all upset with the Mets the, in the person of M. Donald Grant. In 2022, I'm not really upset at all with the Mets in the person of Steve Cohen or whoever uh, signs off on these decisions, which I assume includes Steve Cohen at, at the very end of the process. Uh, this was something DeGrom wanted to do. And again, you know, that this was something uh, I, I thought was important to point out. Uh, when I, I wrote my column about it was, you know, this, this is part of the process. Players become free agents. This is a negotiated right. And you want as a fan, because you know that your team will be involved at some point, you want teams who vigorously pursue free agents. You don't want collusion. You don't want lockouts. So in a sense, the system worked except for, the way we wanted it to work in this particular occasion. We don't want the guy to leave. And in our heart of hearts, we wish there was some sort of something less odious than the reserve clause, but you kind of wish there was like some sort of, come on, don't leave if you're Jacob deGrom because you're Jacob deGrom and you've been Jacob deGrom with the Mets this whole time. And, you know, we are... Uh, either I don't want to say reduced. We are transformed into those uh, those little kids. Um, I have a very good friend who we have a running joke 
about me and if I ever met Dwight Gooden, that I would just uh, revert to being a six-year-old and shout, we love you, Doc, don't leave. And that's what it feels like. We love you, Jake, don't leave. But we, we find out that that doesn't really work. And you know that we're perhaps uh, crazy to put ourselves out there in that way, even if it's just in our heads. But you know, we all do it together. So it feels like it's effective. It feels valid. It feels like, oh, as long as we stand and applaud, whether it's at Nationals Park and it feels like City Field or whether it's at City Field and, and they play those, those first strains of Simple Man, uh, we think that somehow that's going to make a difference. And if it made a difference, it didn't make all the difference. $185 million and maybe not being in New York made the difference. And that's the difference. The winter meetings begin this week. There's going to be some action. And by the time we talk to you again on Thursday, there will be new Mets. It won't be Jacob DeGrom. Maybe it'll be Justin Verlander. Justin Verlander and Kate Upton bought a house in Jupiter recently. That's where Max and Erica Scherzer live. Maybe Max and Erica Scherzer went over to see Justin Verlander and Kate Upton with a basket of muffins and said, welcome to the neighborhood. And Justin Verlander said, hey, I know you. We were on Detroit together. And so I want to be a Met. Maybe that's going to happen. Or maybe the Mets will just shower him with money and that'll be the reason. But we'll find out in the next few days who the new Mets are. We hope you enjoyed this special edition of National League Town. Again, we'll be back Thursday with more. Until then, I'm Jeff Heisen. I'm without Jacob DeGrom and Greg Prince. And as always, let's go Mets. Copyright 2022 music provided by the Royal Arctic Institute. Check them out on Spotify.